Ryan, uh, we've been we've gone back like twenty years. We we're in a band together. Jeez, uh, yeah, love the guy. What can I say? And Ryan, I mean, uh, we met at Capital Factory, where I do the podcast and work on the the startups. And uh, he's the founder of Elite Suites. Very nice uh, to meet you. Nice yeah. to meet you as well, Ryan. Love always uh, bonding and talking uh, to people about UFC. Man, my favorite hobby pastime whatever you want to call it that, that's how i met aaron he was walking by um during i think it's south by southwest or something during and I, oh, yeah. it, was, it was a capital factory and uh i i saw the venom jacket and i was like hold on i was like let me stop this guy real quick <laughs> i was like there's only one type of person that wears something like that and uh we just stopped and talked for you know probably 30 minutes and uh been friends ever since <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a it's a great icebreaker and yeah. we're always on the lookout for uh more mma enthusiasts yeah. uh <laughs> we yeah i mean aaron and i that's it's not the first thing we bonded over but it's one of our many shared interests oh, and yeah. it continues on right uh i would say like the typical uh shelf life for an mma fan is usually around 10 years and i think aaron we've we've doubled Oof. that so I don't I don't know if that's going to go away anytime soon. Nah, <laughs> nah, we're I think we're it's fair to say we're lifers. It's especially because like uh, getting older, like being adults and like knowing what you like and like knowing what you dig and like enjoy and <laughs> it makes you happy. Are you oh, talking about is... that phenomenon when everybody starts to crystallize in their trends? from like the age of 40 and you start listening to the same music for the rest of your life is that the same thing that's so funny i started that shit at like age 20 let's be real (laughs) you've known me yeah i think man this sport is just growing and i think truly um it's going to become the biggest sport in the world mma and obviously ufc being the leader um so yeah i think i'm a lifer too i i took a break for a little bit i'm not gonna lie I was watching it when I was in high school and when I went to college, long story short, I was working with the University of Texas football team. So, you know, a lot of my Saturdays were busy with football uh, since I was working. And so I kind of fell off for a couple of years. And then um, one fateful day uh, during COVID, I, I think it was the Max Holloway, um, Calvin Cater fight on ABC. Oh, that's an amazing <laughs> that fight. I, I think I don't remember if that was the one that got me back into it, but I just remember uh, during COVID, like, I fell back. I was like, man, I, I remember watching the ultimate fighter in high school. Um, man. Yeah. And so I, ever since then, I, I don't think I've missed a card. Um, love the sport. And I mean, I was, that's, uh, that's quite the reintroduction, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> you talk about it. Yeah. Best, I'm the best fucking boxer. That's my wallpaper on my computer. Actually, we're, we're going to take a step into to Aaron's world. Yeah. Here's the wallpaper right there. <laughs> 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 I like that's that. That's ex- exactly it that just that that moment is crystallized in my mind uh yeah 
Uh, what did you do for UT football? I don't I don't remember you were telling me about that. Oh, uh, so I worked on the equipment staff. Um, yeah. So being a student, um, obviously, my original path in college, I was like, I want to do business, but the business school is hard to get into at UT. It's one of those things where it's like uh, you can apply, but there's no guarantee you'll get in. So I didn't want to risk uh, setting myself back a year. My whole goal when I got to college is to get out as fast as possible. So I combined <laughs> uh, my love for sports and business together, and I, I majored in sport management and um, I ended up working with the UT football team and it was a really cool experience as a student. You know, um, I don't have to get hit like a football player and I get to travel <laughs> with the team. Um, I get paid. So uh, it, it was a really cool gig. Got to meet a lot of people. And I think that's what really inspired me uh, a lot, you know, and, and to start my business. I was part of the inspiration. It's just like, man, these coaches at UT get paid so much money. I mean, like, you know, our head coach is making with bonuses five to ten million dollars, uh, five million base, and then you know, up to ten with a bonus. And it's like I'm walking down the hall with these guys, talking to them every day, and I'm like, they're what separates me from these guys? You know, nothing, just the fact that they know a few more people and that they've been at it for a while. <laughs> That's what really kind of like inspired me, man. I was like, I was like, I'm, the, I'm one connection away from making as much money as them doing all that, and so. You know, that's kind of how I got inspired to like really you know, like strive for more and want more and, you know, kind of start my business. And just being around the football team, we were always surrounded by like high protein snacks, you know, like the cookies, brownie shakes and not to plug my company here or anything. But like, please do uh, free shout outs, free shout outs. <laughs> free shout outs. <laughs> yeah, it was just like uh, that. That's where I really saw the opportunity. I was just like, man, there's all these other better for you stuff. Why not a donut? You know, as broke college students with the munchies, we always found ourselves in the local donut shop. Literally just thought, like, what if there was, like, a protein-packed donut, like, that these athletes could eat? That's how we got started, man. But uh, anyways, yeah, I, I worked with the Texas football team, and that was a, a life-changing experience for me. So uh, yeah. that was really cool. You you actually answered a, a question that I thought of while you were talking about that, which was kind of like, how did you take sports management and – turn that into uh elite suites but you you pretty much answered that it really is combining your passion of sports and solving the problems around business of like why is yeah. that working for that person i could yeah. make that happen for me and 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 that's one thing i appreciate about every friend that i maintain is they're hard-working people who understand uh that if you put in the effort and you're combining it with what you love in some way, you'll get, you'll freaking get through it. Like yeah. as long as you're handling what you love, the work's worth it. You know? Exactly. I think there's like a misconception of overnight successes here in this, uh, you know, in the world, but uh, you know, there's no such thing. It just takes time. And you know, that's uh, yeah, that's yeah. how that's my little story, I guess. <laughs> yeah. We're about to watch the Lioness this weekend fight at UFC 289 and talk about putting in the work. Like yeah. the girl, the girl lost like her two of her first three fights, I, th mm -hmm. I believe, and then just went on a tear and <laughs> didn't lose until Juliana Pena. Like it's all work, uh, and if you you find out the thing that makes you special, and you you kill it with that, mm -hmm. uh, dang, that's super dope. That's awesome. Uh, I like learning more about those kind of stories. Uh, we, so you have the UFC Austin shirt on. So was that uh, Emmett? Emmett and Cater, which is funny. Emmett and Cater. Talking about Cater. 
And I was going to actually reference if you, in my opinion, if you want to talk about a robbery this past weekend, I thought that was a robbery. I thought, you know, it's funny because I think both uh, the, the last two fights I went to, the main event was a robbery. So I think Emmett, I mean, I think uh, Cater, in my opinion, beat Emmett. Um, I thought the decision went to him. And the previous fight I went to was in Houston. And I was there live. I love Adesanya, but I really thought Whitaker had took it live. But then I rewatched it and I was like, oh, Adesanya might have pointed it out. But live, it really looked like Whitaker had won that. Um, that's not that's not that controversial of an opinion, to be quite yeah. honest. There's a lot of people that were essentially stating the same thing uh, mm-hmm. when the when the initial decision came out. Um, I, I like the fact that you're like, yeah, upon rewatch, you know, you know, maybe opinions change. However, you know, we're talking about robberies and, and what we consider to be probably poor judging. Right. Just the fact that the UFC officials don't have access to that type of information or replay that we see while we're watching it. Yeah. Like begs the question, is there some type of reform that could be going on to give them better access to stats, which again, uh, those can be misleading to a certain extent, but just the, the ability to rewatch some of those key moments within the round to -hmm. give them a better understanding of just, really who got the better of certain things because they have the best seat in the house let's not let's not kid ourselves <laughs> they right. have the one of the best perspectives but at the same time you know i i do think going to a live sporting event versus watching it on tv pros and cons why can't they have both and then make it more <laughs> objective or we've talked about this in the past aaron but adding more judges right instead of three make it five or make it 10 and you get a better consensus of who truly won the fight but again like that's never going to happen really we need true different type of scoring systems we're basically just reformatting this off of the boxing 10 point must system i just don't think it works as effectively as it should because there's so much more elements that go into the game as opposed to just using your two fists right yeah but that that could be a discussion for another day um, yeah I was gonna, it just boggles me i was gonna ask how do you improve it i think one there's a couple of different options i think but i think one of them you definitely need transparency in scoring like i think it should be live scoring you like around. live so like so that's open scoring and that's a thing you like and it i think one one championship does open scoring so the the pros are, you know, going into the third round, if it's a three-round fight, all right, I really need to pull out all the stops here. Um, but also the converse is also true that if somebody is really far ahead, are they just going to take their foot off the gas pedal and play a lot of defense? I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm open to change. I'm, I'm open to adjustments of the rules because, I mean, to a certain extent, Dana White has a point. You know, you don't like the judge's decision. Don't leave it in the hands of the... <laughs> the judges uh scorecards but also that's somewhat of a cop out right um and that's to his advantage as well he doesn't want fights to go to decisions he wants you know wars he wants fights that are going to end and finish and 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 spectacularly so i don't know there there definitely needs to be something to change because we have i thought adesanya had a great tweet (laughs) this past weekend and yeah. you know what? I if I'm a judge or yeah, if I'm a judge, I'm running with that idea. I'm starting a YouTube channel 
and I'm breaking down every single round and how I would score it live because people like us would go watch the judges to take and break down of the round and see, hmm. you know, and the fighters too. I'm sure the fighters want to know what these referees are thinking when they see, oh, a takedown or position or control or holding someone against the fence, like how they weigh that or the aggression. Um, so if I'm a, if I'm a, a judge, um, you know, I think Adesanya gave you guys a million dollar idea. Go start a YouTube channel and start breaking it down and independently have your own content because everyone wants to know what are you thinking? <laughs> and if they're thinking crazy shit too, it just means everyone in the comments is going to yell at them and yeah. light a fire on the channel. So like for the judge, it's a great business move. And <laughs> and frankly, if it exposes them as an asshole or a mm. moron, like hey now you got a youtube channel you're set like you don't have to be a judge anymore now you can just be a commentator like all of us but like yeah or just interview them too after the fights like they do dana white the fighters yeah sometimes you know mick and all them like i would love to hear what they're thinking like how do you give certain rounds to people that is like they got dominated i you know i don't get it yeah, we were at uh, the UFC 270 uh, in Anaheim, which was in Ganu and Gone. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. And uh, it was also a, a controversial decision between Moreno and Figueredo. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's right. Three, I believe. That was when Figueredo won a controversial split to win it to win the belt back. Yes, it was a split decision. And that was one where we actually also had the same thing as you, where we had to watch it back because we were in Anaheim, which is Southern California Moreno territory. Like yeah. that is his we the crowd was with every move he made. But when you watched it on playback on TV, he got tagged like he it was a verifiable OK decision that he that he lost it, even though I would have loved to have seen him win. To be honest, I, I hear you. I felt like he didn't lose any of the fights, personally. <laughs> but uh, any of the four, but, you know. <laughs> Maybe I'm not the best person uh, for this conversation here. <laughs> Dude, we're, we're, we're Assassin Baby fans. That's for sure. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, I mean, Figueredo, I mean, he's an excellent fighter. But, I mean, in terms of personality, uh, it's Brandon Marino all day. I mean, the man gets geeked out about you know, pop figures. So, I mean, I respect that as somebody who has probably north of 200 pop figures myself. Um, uh, so we're all about, we're all about, uh, nerd assassins, right? I mean, cause that's uh, ostensibly what he is. So we already talked about it a a tiny bit, but, uh, I think Kai Car France got totally robbed. <laughs> oh, completely, completely. So, I, I listen to people that are probably more intelligent on the matter than us, and I'm I'm speaking <laughs> of other MMA podcasts. Um, <laughs> who do you listen so, to? Who do I listen to? I thought well, you know Dom's going to be mad when he listens to this because I'm shouting out Morning Combat, but uh, <laughs> you know they, they essentially said rounds four and five were were pretty clear cut for uh, Kaikara France, um, and rounds two and three with the overall amount of control for uh, Albazi is like kind of without question. So the round that is up for debate is round one, and you can make a case for both real time scoring, right? That's the thing that we're questioning is what the judges are looking for and what they're prioritizing. I thought the 
unified rules are, are pretty clear in what should be taking priority, which is damage over control. But again, I don't think that's necessarily always the truth in how those rounds are scored. But what's, uh, what's you know, kind of damning, in my opinion, is that one of those judges gave round four uh, to Albazi when, I mean, as I was saying before, round four and five for the general consensus was those were Kaikara France rounds and rounds two and three were, were Amir's rounds. Um, yeah. So look at round four, 29 to seven total strikes, one takedown to zero, 27 to ze- five significant strikes for Kaikara France and Chris Lee scored that for yeah Amir. so 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 what the fuck is chris lee looking at to go yeah that's definitely an albazi round like <laughs> it, like did he take a break did he take a bathroom break during the fight and he's just like well you know he was on he was on a pretty good control streak in two and three i'm just gonna score this for him it's have, like have, have judges ever been suspended before not that i'm aware uh, of i mean i think i, can I would love quick. to see a suspension so what happens is that uh, Mike Mazzulli of the Nevada State Athletic Commission came out and was like basically defending his judges, which, you know, I, I can to a certain degree, I can I can relate to that. He's going to defend his his people, sure. but they're not they're not even considering what you were talking about in, in making the judges available after the fight, like a post fight conference to mm. talk about what they saw that led them to the decision for scoring specific rounds for other fighters. So uh, that would be a great step The the YouTube channel, that's, you know, that's a great move in terms of their own potential personal branding. Right. Yeah. Uh, but we got to get some, some better oversight when it comes to that. If the way that they're huh. comparing that, do you remember when Andres Galarraga threw that perfect game, but it wasn't a perfect game because the first, uh, the first base uh, umpire, called the guy safe when he was out and it was on the it was like on the the potential last this? out of the game it was a while ago and this uh, is this is a while ago it's just yeah. something that sticks in my mind because i just happened to be watching that game live uh and you know throwing a perfect game is a uh, is quite the achievement and for yes. it to not be a perfect game in the record books because somebody made a mistake in calling somebody out or calling somebody safe when they were out clearly upon yeah. replay. And then years later, they would implement the replay system and that would have been overturned. But they made that umpire available after the game. And he watched the replay and he said, <sighs> I made a mistake and I feel terrible because I took away a perfect game from this kid. Yeah. Why can't we mm. do the same for, for, for MMA? Yeah. I, I'm talking out loud here, and maybe this doesn't even make sense. I I, I don't know until I, I get it out, I guess. But it's perfect for the show. <laughs> what if they took, I don't know, like, I guess the average or the consensus between the three judges? Like, for example, two judges give round four to Cata France. One gives it to Albazi. In that case, they just take, if two of the three say round four is his, then it's his. Round four is his, and they do that for like every round. So that way, if all three agree, it's round one is so and so, it's so and so. If if two of the three think round two is so and so, it's whoever. You know what I mean? Or does that? It does would that always sense? be two out of three. Or so I mean, it would be best of three for each round because it's like um, 
in this case, the way it goes now, you know, I, I don't I, I don't remember what the judges said, but let's just say three of the two, uh, three of the five went to uh, Albazi because he gave round four to Albazi. Whereas if they go by what all three said for each round, you know, it might have been I, I'd, I'd have to do the math. I'd have to look at what the yeah. judges did, but I'd be curious if that would change the outcome at all. You know what I mean? Yeah, I want to. I don't. I don't know. This is well. It would definitely change the outcome because we're talking about uh, because you know you're talking about. We're assuming that there's going to be some level of consistency on how they're looking at each round. You would imagine two of the three would always see always see it the same way. Correct. And I, I think that's a great idea, actually. And it kind of goes into the, why don't we have more judges so that you can actually get more yeah. of that general consensus? Why limited to, to just three? Why not yeah. have five or seven um, to where you're always going to get that clear? Well, I, I don't want to hedge when I say clear cut decision, but yeah. you're going to get a definitive decision as opposed to something that we're you know, talking about days later and going like, how does that happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's see right here. This is yeah. what I'm curious. Let's see how I would have scored the way I'm saying. I don't know if it, if it makes sense or, or it's the same thing. I'm just actually kind of curious now. I didn't think about it until right now when I heard you guys speaking. I was like, hmm. Well, if yeah. two of the three saw it one way, then why does yeah. one outweigh the other in this case? So round one would have gone to Kai. Round two would have gone to Amir. Round three would have gone to Amir. Round four would have gone to Kai. And round five would have gone to Kai. And Kai would have won the fight. And I, I think that's fair. I do too. Like, if you know, two, we, if, we should if, keep track of this. For every robbery that we <laughs> we see, we should we should use our own alternative scorecards and maybe lobby <laughs> for a, a, a change or something. I don't know. <laughs> if, if there's like... Cause that, that makes sense to me. And that like, we are like, we've talked about, we're using the boxing uh, 10 point must system. And if we're going to use that for the judges to be on which they base their criteria, that does not limit us to how we do the math on tabulating those scores. Like you just said, like if that was the scorecard, the whole score, would have been uh what would have been 48 47 for kai right. by judges average decision <laughs> so here's the here's right. the here's the other alternative which again like candidly this is not my original idea but when i heard it i, I just had this light bulb uh moment so the ufc uses the state athletic commissions for their judges and many of these judges outside of a few states like california who has enough people working their athletic commission that are specialized in like say mma as opposed to boxing most of these judges in the athletic commissions do both right and we're talking about the same scoring system but it's a different sport Mm -hmm. what if the ufc hired their own judges like the nfl like the nhl like Mm -hmm. mlb right they're they're company employees that get trained and specialized in in MMA scoring officiating hypothetically and they can be held to their own review rating system 
you know, there, there is hypothetically the potential for, uh, for some shenanigans, right? If the UFC wanted somebody to win hypothetically, and I'm, I'm just being a little bit of a conspiracy theorist here, at but, the moment, you, but, but you'd have to, if you, if you'd have to say that must be happening in the NFL and it might, cause you said they, they I do mean, it. It, so if, you, you're implying here, that they must. Say it, it's definitely happened in the NBA. <laughs> okay, you know, yeah, people are yeah. in people are in prison for that right now. Yeah. Uh, so you can't rule it out, but you know, by and large, that's those are outliers. Those are exceptions. Whereas you have people that get graded, and then on these larger fights, let's say on a numbered card or a, a championship bout we're only going to be using the high, the highest graded, the highest rated officials to score those bouts so that we have minimal chance of controversy. I think that's a, yeah. I think that's a viable, a viable option as well. I think there's no wrong answers here. I think there's a lot of, <laughs> a lot Let's of go seven judges. We're going to do averages of all their scores per round. And then there were UFC is going to hire their own, their own, uh, their own uh, officials. To your point, uh, like to take it a step further here, I don't know why they don't try things out with like the Dana White Contender Series or I don't know, the Ultimate Fighter. Not that any of those have really made it to the judges, but like use yeah. those as the data, like use that as a testing ground. Like, not to say those fights don't matter, but like there's a lot less on the line there. Um, yeah, your reputation of uh, a fight night or a pay per view, you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of opportunities to to try to test these methods out and you know see if it works. And well, I feel I mean, hell they could do road to the UFC where they're all, doing all the stuff yeah. in the expansion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, and like uh, they like you were talking about before, it's ripe for that experimentation uh, because they're running those as exhibitions. Like yeah. it's 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 one of those things too where you they could really get in on on watching how they're how they're doing that um yeah well that was fun but uh amir what how does he how does he play with with moreno in this picture i mean moreno's gonna fight pantoja are we are we climbing the ladder with amir albazi i don't think so because he's already what number three now like he climbed (laughs) it already true true i mean uh flyweight's a little a little uh yeah. about the depth, right? They're a little yeah. light, a little shallow <laughs> there. Uh so, so how does he how does he play out? Um I mean first let's say does Brandon Moreno or does Brandon Moreno beat uh Pantoja on Saturday? I, I mean think... obviously I want him to win. Pantoja is one of those guys he's not really ever fully lived up to his potential. Um which appears to be something that he's on track. You know, he's, he's showing a bit of that. <laughs> I just, Brandon Moreno is not even, or did he just turn 30? Did he just turn 30? And he's he's got like at least yeah. 10 years of experience within the UFC. And yeah, he turned 30 the same year as the UFC because he was stealing right. all of the merchandise for himself. That's <laughs> right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, I mean, like candidly, I want I want Brandon to win. Yeah. Um, I think he will, honestly. I, I just don't think that Pantoja has enough for Moreno who can just do everything very well. Yeah. But the the question is, and like who does he fight after that? 
he's already beaten Kaikara France and Kaikara yeah. France just lost Albazi, although it's, you know, controversial. So is Albazi the next one up? Most think, likely. They say Royval is uh, weighing in as a backup, which, you know, um, it's it's funny hearing Ariel Helwani, him and their rivalry, Ariel Helwani and uh, Dana White is just so funny <laughs> about all <laughs> It, but it's true. Dana White, like, love him, love the UFC, but damn, does he play favorites? Does he is he controversial uh, about quite a few things? You know what I mean? Like, doesn't believe in gimmick fights, but if it's John Jones, the baddest man, Tyson Fury, he's <laughs> down yeah. for him. If if it, if is signed with the UFC, he's the baddest man on the planet. Like, his everything changes with him. And um, let's be honest, he's a he's a prom, he's a promoter. He's gonna oh, walk back. He's going to walk back anything and everything he says if it makes for a bigger, more exciting fight. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't even be surprised if they do some cross-promotional, maybe find a way to get the PFL involved and do like Nganu versus Jones, a Jake Paul versus Kevin Holland. I don't fucking know. That, kind- honestly, that's the oh, dream. That'd be, that'd be that's fun. The, that's the dream. I just don't know if the UFC is ever going to give up their like cr- critically. I mean, I mean, critically yeah. is not the correct term, but... Right now, they they essentially have an, a, mon- a monopoly oh, on MMA. Yeah, Everybody else is fighting for the second spot. And I was reading or listening recently that financially, right, the UFC year over year is their profits are so, just increasing. Yeah. Now there's some there's a there's a the dark underbelly to that where fighter pay is not increasing in terms of percentage of the revenue at all. In fact, it might be going down. And then you have other promotions that are paying their fighters more. But the reality is that those promotions, the PFL included and Bellator and one are not actually making money. They're not making a profit. They're generating revenue, but they're not making any profit. And that, and that means what that the UFC could just wait them out. And mm-hmm. then all of those fighters, where do they go? They come back to the UFC if they want to keep fighting. I mean, we just have to determine what time frame that's going to be. Yeah. But I would love, I mean, to your point to have, to have a cross promotion and do I, like this PFL pay-per-view style tournament. That would be amazing. I think, I think Bellator, uh, well, Bellator and one did it. Yes. Like, let's and not they forget. Will continue to do it. And they're going to keep doing it and they're doing champ on champ shit. Like yes. they're doing like the Bellator champ versus the one champ on Amazon Prime. Like and I and I love that. So and that's uh part of one getting their license in the US and, and being able to put on that show in Colorado. And then I think they did another one in Florida, maybe. But yes, like that that's the, the cross promotion would be so fun. It just really would. Um I think so too. Like I, there's even a market here, even in other sports. Not not the only one that came to mind immediately was baseball because there is competitive baseball teams around the world. It was like <laughs> basketball. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and then I was like hockey. And then I was like, wait, Russia exists. <laughs> well, Aaron, you had this idea a long time ago, right? You do like a international MMA league where it's you know similar to the Olympics, where you're competing for your country. Like oh, that would yeah. be that would be amazing, but then it would be, you know, Russian dominated. 
<laughs> yeah, or even in MMA and the Olympics would be cool. And like we joked I, about it a few episodes ago when the Olympic panels were debating removing wrestling and how like that's pretty much the first fucking the, sport the that original ever Olympic sport other than yeah. running. Yeah, it's yeah, it's exactly that. You know, that's the first sport. How fast can you run? Because if it's slower than me, how good can you fight? Like that is how sports started. And yeah. uh, I think I think MMA, that'd be that'd be really cool to expose it. Um, there were other good fights here. But before we look at some of those. Uh, well, actually, let's finish this. We'll finish these fights. Some of them were fun. We won't do- dig too deep into them. But I want to know about Tough. Are you watching Ultimate Fighter as well, Amir? Uh, yeah, I'm watching it. Uh-huh. Heck yeah. So we, we got to talk about that episode. But okay. first, Alex, Bruce, Bruce Leroy, <laughs> Caceres? It's not Caceres. Uh, I mean, he's always, we've always called him Caceres. Okay. I, I was again morning combat getting all the morning combat out. yeah well uh, his Luke wife Thomas is a little pretentious because his wife is from Colombia, and <laughs> and and she said it's that way okay uh man alex caceres uh i just love him what can you say he goes back 10 years already he's the shit i want him to go as far as he goes that was uh, yeah that's a great way to put it aaron i want him to go as far as he goes because i don't think he's going much further further no it's it's fun he's fun to watch yeah fun to watch he's an immortal matt brown you know uh he's a jim miller he's a jim miller heck yeah like i really want him to fight on ufc 300 and dude totally worth fight of the night because that was back and forth and pineda another professional man 100 percent uh but, but Jim Miller, man, he's <laughs> show. You know, Dude. he's almost. I think I almost always bet Jim Miller by knockout because, like, <laughs> he only has one way to win. Yeah, yeah, and he is so. And you can't put anybody in front of him who has a clear vulnerability. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that Jesse Butler had like a clear vulnerability outside of his youth. In the sport, uh, he didn't have a long training camp. Uh, you know, maybe he had a lot against him, but Jim Miller just—he had forty-one more fights than this kid. Mm. Like that, the yeah. minute he saw that opening, it was over, and it was just—you can't fuck with people like that. What is the phrase? If you fuck around, you find out. You fuck Jesse, around and find out. Yeah, Jesse yeah. Butler—he found out why he, he fucked he, around. He found three left hooks. <laughs> He found three left hooks, and the last one was as he was falling down. You know, um, you should make a. You should actually make a meme of him and the way Ngannou knocked Stipe out. How they both fell back like that. I'd actually love to see the two of them side by side. They're super, <laughs> super similar. They were right up back on the same leg, the same way. Yeah. And Crocop, except <laughs> yeah, Crocops was like, oh my god, he died. Crocop <laughs> is dead. He just killed Crocop. Um, do you want to congrats do we congratulations to Tim Elliott for beating out the frustration of the whole wife thing congrats on the win and we're sorry for your loss you know like for your your wife that's been cheating on with on you with your training partner like good god this is this is a MMA days of our lives right here 
<laughs> Could you imagine if that was Jesse Butler's story instead, and then he just got bolloped by Jim Miller in 30 oh, seconds? <laughs> well, they were saying like his training partner, I guess they fight at different weight classes. Like oh, I'm shit. sure Tim Elliott would agree to fight at a catch weight. <laughs> like, I don't care. Like, like I want to fight him. Um, yeah. I, I would watch it, right? That's those are the things. There's there's been like this semi-joking, but it's interesting to think about, right? So the parent company uh, that owns the UFC also owns WWE. So now yeah. they're under one brand. And, it, you know, the hypothetical, what if they switched CEOs? Or, you know, like head figures. What if Dana White went to the <laughs> WWE and they brought Vince McMahon over <laughs> to the UFC to like spice up the storylines? <laughs> you know? Um, we're bringing on about, Tim Elliott's <laughs> ex-wife's just just think about all that week. juicy juicy drama right I mean the UFC already has the market corner but you put start putting intrigue on like all the oh. backstories or you know what if they did a reality show like for UFC fighters this also candidly I heard somewhere else but you have not necessarily the big time stars. I don't think they would do it. They're making enough money, but we know that lower UFC level fighters, they're barely getting by, right? Yeah. What they make in terms of fighting, they have to win because if they just, if they get half their purse for showing, they don't, they get the other half for a win. They call it a win bonus. It's bullshit. And then they have to get performance of the nights to really like be comfortable until their next fight. Yeah, like remember when got... Cheyenne won and like bawled yeah. her eyes out in the back? Yeah, and they gave her that performance of the night bonus. I mean, she was able to she she was like living on somebody's couch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. What if they followed them around? What if they did a reality show? Yeah. And just followed them around for what they do on their day to day lives. And you know, what about UFC fighters, female, male? They typically end up dating each other. There's there's some there's some there's some storylines there. There's some intrigue. Yeah. Do Maybe. Yana, uh, 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 the Santos family, Tiago and Yana. Oh, Tiago and Yana. Come on. Like, like, <laughs> well, you could do, uh, Amanda and, and Nina. Oh, yeah. Amanda, Nina, Tisha Torres, Pennington. There's, uh, Cheyenne, uh, and, um, oh, I'm drawing a blank on his name. What's the guy that just, uh, lost to Vittori? Uh, oh, uh, the say, Roman Delice. Roman Delice. Yep. She used to be buys. Um, <laughs> Man, that's nope. so not fair. I mean, she's she's definitely on the list of get out of relationship free. Um, on the <laughs> list. Right as now, we come. Saw... Oh, really? Oh, yeah. shit. Okay. Yeah, she's so... so she's another one of the women that's on hold, I guess, for a little bit. Um, Damn. Yeah, I, I, I'm assuming Roman's baby. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's why they got to be on the show. Well, no, because it will kick its way out. Mm -hmm. I think that's uh, why everyone's going independent with their own YouTube channel. That's uh, that's been yeah. a thing in the last year. I've been, and I like it too. I like to see everyone tell their own story, like Gilbert mm -hmm. Burns, Hamza, obviously the free the style bender or freestyle bender. There's everyone has their yeah. own channel now, and it's it's fun to just kind of watch them, or they're all kind of starting their own podcast and. But yeah, I mean, I'd watch a reality TV show. Why not? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it would just be like a, a much bigger platform similar sure. to Embedded. 
instead yeah. of 10 minutes it'd be 30 minutes and you know they could do off a around. full season of that yeah yeah and you could make sure. and you could do like a season right and you could and this is my producer mind kicking in but like <laughs> you could do a season and really only follow maybe six to eight fighters for the entire season and and cut them per episode so you can like keep it interesting by covering four fighters in an episode hopping back and forth but pick people strategically that are all on the same card and and like and go through it as they're going through it um but that actually brings me back to something we'll talk about with the ultimate fighter uh which we'll get to pretty immediately, which is that I'm really appreciating how they are making it more fight focused. And I think that this feels like an old season of the ultimate fighter. Uh, It really feels like an old season to me. I'm really kind of liking it anyway. uh, Kareen Silva, Ketlin Souza, fun fight. We always love submissions, especially in the first round. Um, it's too not enough scene of Silva yet to be like up oh, flyweight contention. Like not yet, probably. Uh, she, but... was a, she was a pretty sizable favorite and everybody was Huge. calling for an early sub and that's exactly how it played out. So yeah, I, I would love to see her she... uh, take a step up in competition. I think she's finished every fight that she's uh, fought. So I always like a good finisher. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think, I think you're right. That's a, that's a good call out because in don't kill me internet but in women's mma there's not <laughs> always a lot of finishes mm-hmm. stating facts here yeah. no well judgments. they keep replaying irene aldana's one like stone cold knockout over and over and over again mm-hmm. i mean we're, we're blessed with the lioness having fucking five <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean that's that's why she, that's but she's part hurt. of the reason why she's such a big figure. Not only is she a dominant champion, but she's finished big, big names. Yep, yep. Holly Holm by head kick, cyborg, cyborg. She, she kills Ronda. She killed Ronda. <laughs> yeah, she did. She <laughs> her career. Uh, <laughs> we'll skip down just into some of the other fun fights. I mean, Andre Arlovsky. Keep doing what you're doing, I guess. Um, no, 44, you're done. He's done. He's done. Okay. You're done. Yeah, let's. Uh, we want him to be able to uh, chew his mashed potatoes in the future and understand his name. He still uh, plays hockey. He still plays hockey, like in a really an adult like recreational league, which oh. I respect. Right, as a person who played hockey growing up, um, but he should just focus more on just playing it in his uh, over 40 adult league. <laughs> as opposed to having men that are 245 plus pounds punch him in the face. Yeah. And are 25 years young and hungry for it as hungry as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, guys, what? Not that I don't think Dontel Mays is, was quite 25, but hypothetically, he could be fighting somebody that's 20 years younger than him. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, on the other side of it, it's like for Jim Miller, yeah, he, he has a lot of fights, but when you're getting out in 30 seconds, like, fight as long as you can you know what i mean mm-hmm. sure. there's something end. to be about like ring damage or damage over time mm-hmm. but i just don't think jim miller's had quite the same beatings right or wars that andre arlovsky has had andre arlovsky has had in the yeah. past it's, you know heavyweights i mean yeah a lot of danger there mm-hmm. yeah 
the the other one worth touching too here was the biggest favorite on the night jamie malarkey got knocked out in the second round they were swinging they were swinging that's what happens yeah that was Roll. just a, I, I think that was an undisciplined moment yeah. you know you just fuck around what happens he, he found he he got the right hand found him is what happened <laughs> the right hand of uh muhammad found uh jamie malarkey's chin and he crumpled yes right no that was uh another one and i look forward to watching either of them fight again i no. mean that's just i love fights where i become a fan of both like immediately these tiny uh, dudes just have cardio and just swing for the fences uh, what, what what's the guy's name right above him i, I forget his name uh yeah it's damn it <laughs> amov he this dude or uh, um, what a gafarov mm-hmm. this guy he i mean I've never seen somebody somebody throw everything into every single punch. <laughs> no regard for cardio. My man was trying to end it, and uh, it didn't quite go in his favor. But look at that total strikes, though. Yeah, yeah ninety three. It could. He lost the point. That was that was a big. I think yes. that momentum. Yes. Oh, that's right. He had the nut shots. Yeah, he had the brutal nut shots and the brutal one in the first round, and it was oh, then he got taken down in round three, and that was it. Yeah, oh, that made my kidneys hurt thinking about it. (laughs) Uh, so, uh, before we we take a look at UFC 289, uh, the ultimate fighter this weekend, coach Michael Chandler's fighter, uh, whose name completely just jumped past me, um. One by TKO. Yep. First flying round TKO. Knee. Flying knee. Beautiful flying knee. Uh oh, yeah. And the guy that got knocked out was also Connor McGregor's barber for the episode, if you recall. <laughs> um, because that's what you do when your coaches have your team serve you. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Just, I, I mean but... Honestly, like they are struggling a little bit for some of the content. Now, I think uh, the Roosevelt Roberts storyline where he's just not putting up with anybody's bullshit in the house is Mm -hmm. intriguing because he basically said, you want to we could fight right now. Like we can just go. Um, Obviously, we don't want that to happen because we want them to stay on the show. But the fights have been very one sided. Uh, I mean, I don't know about you, but in terms of like my perspective on the coaching like it's completely one-sided Chandler's Mm -hmm. team is far superior they're providing like much better technical coaching where Connor's just like yeah you want to you know everybody has their own thing right he he, his 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 you'll find your fire you'll find your fire one of his team members is like legitimately asking well what do you do before a fight to make sure that you're prepared yeah, he like literally just stumbled over his words. It was like, you know, everybody's a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he got the short end of the stick here. And the fact that it was like, what I, I forget what they call it vets versus what is it? Not rookie uh, what are prospects, they? prospects, prospects. Yeah. And I'm like, it's a little bit one sided, in my opinion. I feel like he got the short end of the stick. I mean, some of these guys have real UFC experience versus guys who are, you know, this is the biggest moment of their life and 
you know, they're probably starstruck with seeing Conor McGregor and, um, you know, yeah. not to say anything, not to talk down on McGregor's coaching, but he's a, he's a fighter's fighter. You know what I mean? He's in there sure. like what he would do. What, what would I do in this moment? And, you know, find mm-hmm. it, this, that, the other. And it's like, you know. Yeah. It shows and, the, and we, and we the know epi- that the coaches, the head coaches are not really doing a lot of the coaching. That's that's oh, mainly for the cameras. That oh, is so true. When Roxanne was on the show, she talked about how they were preparing, the coaches were preparing to fight each other. Like they were yeah. in camp also. Like it was more like we were all in camp together and we were sharing coaching staff. Uh, So like for this, like I love the fighters fighter comment because like that is so conor mcgregor like it's clear that it's the conor show yeah um and we talked about it last week he's selling whiskey he's selling a clothing brand that's what he's doing and chandler is selling his gym and his team like that's his business is his fitness and his athleticism and the only way you can be successful in that business is if you can show the results in the other people so I think Chandler's really dedicated to getting the result for the other person and empathizing. He's getting in their shoes uh, and approaching the fights from his fighter's perspective and not his own. Like you said, it's his world. This is what I would do. Uh, but uh, I Connor's going to win. There, you know, some of these prospects are they're fire. It's going to happen. We've seen it in the commercials. Like, um, but I liked this guy too. The the guy who won, uh, Cody Gibson. And I liked his whole family story and, uh, him and his brother getting adopted when they were super young. And then all of the people in the house that are like adopted too. And then of course, even last week, the dude with the kid who had the really rare disease and, one guy in the house's kid has the same disease. It's like one in 250 million. And yeah. like, we happen to both be fighters too. Like that. I like, I like how it brings the, makes the world a little smaller anyway, uh, in victory and in loss. Um, yeah. Also same thing. I, I feel like McGregor's in it for him and, uh, it's on his prospects to dig deep and find the victories. If they're going to win this show, uh, and how absorbent they are of all the other coaches, because it's still an amazing opportunity. Let, let's be yeah. honest. The season is focused on um, one viewers and having Conor McGregor as a coach. I'm sure this is the most watched. I haven't looked at the numbers. I'm sure the most watched uh, season ever. First two episodes <laughs> ever. And then it's also selfishly for McGregor to to get him entrenched in just that fighting spirit of like, you know, besides going home and drinking liquor and going to the yacht, you know, seeing people train, being around that environment and just getting pissed off being around a guy like Michael Chandler, who he knows he has to fight. And um, <laughs> that's that I think that's the the main purpose if we're being honest, but still brings good entertainment value. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any uh, early pick in the Chandler McGregor fight? I mean, um. To be honest, I, I have to. I haven't kept up with it enough, like uh, with all the fighters enough. But I, I, I like Roberts a lot. I feel like I remember watching the UFC. I think he's more mature. And I think he's a lot more advanced than all these guys. But I haven't kept up 
with enough detail to to know their roster well enough. Sure. Dude, how about in the Chandler and McGregor fight? I'm going to take McGregor. I think he just has so much more to lose right now. I think it means a lot more. And I think selfishly Chandler's, this is the money fight for his family. And, if it, you know, it's going to bring him a lot of attention. It's going to, you know, I'm sure he's going to get 100,000 new followers if, if he's the game and, you know, brings it to McGregor. But I just think this is a do or die moment for McGregor. Yeah, so I'm, yeah. I'm going to take McGregor either by KO or a very fun decision. <laughs> oh, boy. If if that fight goes to decision. There's no way it goes to decision. I just think Chandler's <laughs> very hittable. You know what I mean? And he is. He exactly puts what out we there. said. Mm-hmm. He, he He's all about making it a very exciting fight. And that's what Connor wants. Connor wants somebody that's going to play the game with him. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you want to stand up? Because he knows in the first round, his ability to put a pace on people and his uh, precision in striking is is going to put him in a very advantageous position to finish. But if it goes beyond the beyond the first round, he's fucked. You know, yeah. pardon my language, but um, McGregor is in a deep, deep trouble um, if he doesn't get a finish early in the fight. I honestly think, you know, it, it sounds funny to say, but I think... Um, uh, Michael Chandler is going to be a little starstruck at first. I think that f- the first few, the first minutes, my holy shit, this is actually happening. And then I think McGregor's going to rock him with a good shot. And then he's going to be like, oh shit, like I'm here. Uh, that, that's kind of what happened with Jose. Yeah. I mean, like, this is the biggest fight of Chandler's life from a monetary perspective, attention. Like, um, you know, if you didn't know who Chandler was, you're gonna find you're gonna know him after this one, because McGregor just had he just has that McGregor effect, and um, it's a real oh, yeah. thing. It's a real it, thing. It's gonna be a huge fight. Um, there, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're you're right about Chandler making the largest paycheck since he's been in the UFC. It's yeah. a shame he's not gonna get pay per view points for it. But if he did, then he'd be making some serious bank. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be fun. I know that. I know <laughs> f- they oh, got to yeah. sign the contract first, though. Still not signed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, everything now is still sounding like it'll be probably in November, which I mean, I think be- it's going to be December because November, I think they're going to do John Jones in Madison Square Garden. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I think it's going to be his farewell fight. Steve Bay is probably gonna eventually sign the damn contract. It's gonna be John Jones, Steve Bay. I think John Jones finishes him, retires, goes off to the sunset in New York, his hometown, and um Steve yeah. Bay also retires the same night. Yeah. And um I hope it's a war. If if they both retire, I hope it's a war. I, I question Steve Bay's motivation, man. I do. He he looked very bad in the last fight with Nganu and I don't know, man. I just he hasn't his inactivity makes me think he's not training. Fair, yeah, that could be the case. Uh, because if you're, if you're if you're training that long, like you should have that desire to want to compete. But he hasn't tried to compete in years, and I, I think this is the perfect moment for him to get that last payday against Jones, and then just quit. Yeah, yeah, and and and. 
I don't think we would. I, I don't think he should be judged for that either. I mean, he's he, that he's the winningest UFC heavyweight champ. And John Jones, yeah, if he beats him, he'll put that capper on his on his on his uh, record. I beat the winningest heavyweight champ, yeah. but he's not going to be the winningest heavyweight champ. Like if he does, if he stops fighting. So like his legacy, I think he'll cut himself a little short if he stops, even though he will. And like, Jones? I mean, yeah, look, everyone already <laughs> has an opinion about John Jones, you know, one way or the other. But I think the, the overwhelming opinion is if he's not the greatest of all time, he's one of the greatest of all time. And I think the fact that he was able to move up a division, not technically two division champ because, you know, he, he uh the other one was vacant but he came up he dominated who was regarded as one of the best fighters in the division easy and then steep a one of the greatest of all time so he defended there's no reason to fight anymore like he's got money he's got a legacy that can only be tarnished at this point you know on in the octagon at least um I, i would retire too if i was john joe that's a perfect farewell tour in madison square garden um, yeah. unless unless the opportunity presented itself for him to fight like an Ngannou, I wouldn't fight Sergey. There's there's no there's no appeal behind that other than like the hardcore fans who just want to see John Jones fight someone tough. Sergey's not going to make him any money. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. not a big name. Like it's Ngannou's the the big draw. Um, I wouldn't fight Sergey if I was him either. Why risk it? Not to say like he's scared, but like why even risk it? Yeah. Yeah, and Sergey is a scary motherfucker too. Like, yeah. there's there there isn't. So and let it let it get vacated, and then Sergey will be the champion after he beats Cyril Gunn. How fun would that be? Talking about cross promotional fights. John Jones wins the he he retires vacant belt. You go Sergey versus I don't even know who the fuck you do. Probably like Aspinall will Aspinall, come back yeah, and they'll say- shoot him up. Yeah, let's say probably Aspinall. Let's say Sergey wins. I'd love to see a Sergey and Ganu fight. I mean, that <laughs> that's whoever lands first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that one would be really, really fun. <laughs> that would be the most fun fight. Like, fuck the John Jones or someone. I want to see two big ass guys just go at it. Yeah, that's that's like when uh, in Ganu fight uh, Yair Rosenstreich. Uh, mm-hmm. When the the build up, it's like that fight, even though it was only thirty seconds long. That's what the Derek Lewis fight should have been. Yeah. Was- <laughs> like, is just that's what we want is those fireworks. Mm-hmm. But yeah, heck yeah. Well, let's talk about the fights that are coming up this weekend. And now it's time for the Pretty Neat Podcast picks. This weekend. Uh, my friends, is UFC 289. It is taking place in Vancouver, Canada mm-hmm. on Saturday, June 10th. Uh, I I like that fight. I'm excited for it. That's very cool. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll jump out and say I got Amanda. Like, I think Amanda's going to take this. I don't think it'll be a problem. She looks great embedded. She looks great. She looks <laughs> like she's working hard. Uh, I don't think the new kid, uh, if there's another one, is a distraction. We kind of talked about that. We uh, did. 
We did, but I, I'm totally into the idea of having a fourth Mexican champion as well. And Irenae is a violent lady. Um, I'll throw all that out first, but I will say that for me, Charles Oliveira and Benil Dariush is the actual main event. That's the fight. <laughs> that, yeah, that's that's the fight. That's the one with the most intrigue. That's got the most uh, potential for uh, fight of the night. Lightweight is fun. Lightweight is fun. Now, <laughs> it's no longer the best division in, in MMA. It's the second best, but it's a tight race between bantamweight and, and lightweight. Um, Dom, who's in Vegas right now, said mm-hmm. that the uh, the pretty neat parlay has been placed. And nice. uh, if we're if we're going off the parlay, we're we're pulling for uh, Mr. Olives, Mr. Du Bronx to get the win. If he does win, it's it's likely to be by finish. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting, right? My gut, my gut says that Benil wins this fight, even though we're betting on Charles because parlay odds, and he's a betting underdog right now. Um, he was, yeah, is is in our favor. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I think I think we're going to be surprised. Right. If I'm being rational and taking the emotion out of this, I think we're going to be fairly surprised by what Benil is able to do against Charles Oliveira with his level of defense. I just don't think he's going to make a mistake. I just don't think he's going to make the type of mistake that's going to allow Charles to take the back or create some type of like scramble opportunity where he's going to catch him off guard. I just don't, I don't see that happening. I think that Charles is going to go after him, he, which which is what he does, right? Yeah, he's more and more offensive, and we had an amazing streak um, in the lightweight division. But I don't think you can do that against Benil. He's going to make you pay. I don't know yeah. exactly how, but we, we we've seen him be able to neutralize wrestlers, what he did with Mateus Gamrot, and then his he he's got power in his hands. He's not always the most flashy person, but I think he neutralizes him to a certain extent. If I and if I'm taking the parlay out of the equation, I think he wins. I think he wins by decision, and I think it's the fight of the night for sure. Uh, I can I completely agree. I think the the <laughs> one thing about Benil is um, he's a very high IQ fighter, and I think those are the toughest fighters. It's not who's the most skilled. It's, you know, who who can make the adjustments, split-second decisions in the octagon, who's smart, who's not afraid to who, – who who did their homework, who watched the film, and who's not afraid to attack the other guy where he's best. I think, you know, Oliveira had some favorable matchups, and, you know, Poirier, Gaethje, Chandler, they didn't want to go to the ground with this guy. I think when you saw someone like um, Islam – yeah go to the ground with he was he wasn't afraid he wanted to he wanted to test uh Oliveira's ground game and I think Benil is going to be the same way and I think those are the most dangerous fighters for Charles is people who's willing to play his game and you know one thing that I think we can all agree and something that's been consistent across the board with Charles is he's chinny you know once he gets that that one shot all you got to do is jump on top of him like Islam did and you can you don't have to maybe Benil doesn't get the submission, but you control him on the ground, get that control time. I think he outpoints him in a three round fight, and um, 
I'm taking Benil on this one. Yeah, and by decision yeah. too. I and I think that if it goes the distance, I you're you everything you guys said. <laughs> like I have nothing to add. So I'm just gonna cheer for you guys, I think. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> You guys are magic. Magic. Because <laughs> you read my mind. <laughs> um, what do you think about uh, Nunez Aldana, though? And uh, I'll throw that to, uh, I mean, first, because, Ryan, you got the last one first. I'm going to take Aldana. And I think it, I wouldn't be surprised if Nunez wins. But I'm going to take the underdog here because I think Julia Napena showed the chink in her armor, right? I think she showed that she can be beat. And I think she also showed that if Nunez isn't completely focused and um really bought in, and this is kind of the twilight of her career, I think. You know, I think she's towards the end. She's ready to go. She's made enough money. She's ready to be a family woman. And, you know, it's great for her. She's done enough in the sport. And when you find that hungry, and I'm going to say Mexican here, you know, it's hard. It's hard to root against her, and with the odds the way they are, and I'm kind of playing the odds here. I'm taking Aldana because I, you know, I just think why not? It's going to juice a parlay. She's a big physical girl. I think, you know, she could surprise Nunez, and Nunez really hasn't fought a variety or like a a diverse amount of diverse fighters in in the last couple of years. It's been Pena. You know, it's been really focused on one person and. I think that can be challenging when you, you know, same for Moreno, you know, when you're fighting the same guy over and over, he showed that he could fight with Cata France and all that. But like for Nunez, it's the same person. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Aldana uh, upsets her. And, you know, I just don't see Nunez having too many more fights left in her career. I don't think she wants to cut the weight and go down and defend at another weight class. I think this is kind of where she's comfortable. And yeah. I don't know how many more times she she's got it in her to keep defending and there's just hungry people coming up and talking about a big physical person i think she was much bigger than pena but pena had the right game plan to attack get her on the ground and you know wear that cardio but i think i'm riding with momentum the the mexican champs are here and um it's a new yeah. era ufc yeah i think it, it definitely might be there's a uh uh I love jabs. Like <laughs> I talk about it a lot. Um, and like Amanda got caught by Juliana's jabs in the first fight and it shocked her. And it, it but like you said, she wasn't all the way in it and yeah. she kind of guessed and got tired and went down and, and tapped out. But Amanda totally reversed that in the second fight. And I mean, Juliana was being put to the ground by strong jabs. Um, I'm pretty sure Aldana has the reach in this fight. Uh, she will have better kickboxing as well. Uh, oh, she doesn't. Wow. Amanda has the reach by half an inch. Um, I knew Aldana was taller. Um, I agree about that hunger. Uh, the That 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 uh that mexican drive that this just there's so there's a power behind it like and she has trained with alexa grasso from the beginning and yeah. alexa grasso said aldana has it like aldana yeah. knows the mentality she's gonna go in there and go to work and get it done yeah. and that could totally happen for all the reasons that you said um 
Yeah. Uh, crazy. And I'm a big believer about who you surround yourself with, especially in the fight game, because I think that really um, determines mentality. And, you know, like, like you just said, Aldana trains with Grasso, who's a champion. She's they're hungry in that gym and they, they want another champion. And, you know, not to talk down on anyone, but Nunez, her, his, her wife, um, um, Nina, and, uh, you know, she's not a winning fighter, at least of recent. And I think that can impact your mindset when you get complacent with like support, like being around someone who's always losing, like that rubs off, but that's the people you're training with and not say like they're training. I know obviously she's training with other people, but those, those kind of things rub off on you, man. And, you know, I think that's another thing for Oliveira. He's coming off a loss too, and it's it's tough, man. Um, especially when you got that next person up who's hungry and wants to wants it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, some other, the it's going to be a fun main event. It's going to be a fun main event. It's going to be a great co-main event. This is like, uh, the main card is at what time is the main card? It's at nine. It's at 9 p.m. Central here. So that's that's not that's pretty typical. Usually the East Coast cards sometimes are a little earlier, and I like those. Um we tell we we've discussed very regularly that some of the overseas cards are our favorite because you get to have donuts and bites <laughs> at the same time. Donuts uh, and violence. Appropriate audience and appropriate guest. I didn't even put that together. That <laughs> hey no, I heard, I heard donuts. I mean, I- Donuts and violence. <laughs> what could be better? Uh, hey, Elite Sweets, let us hey. know if if you want us uh, to come help write some campaigns. We're available. <laughs> um, just get at us. We've we've just offered the UFC our marketing expertise. Taglines just times. coming out. Yeah, <laughs> nonstop. Uh, yeah, get in the ring, and by that I mean a donut ring. Um, <laughs> I love Mike Mallet. Uh, and Adam Fuggett, as we as we like, who's a name champion on this show because of name how fun it is to say. Um, but you have to I, say Mike Malott, who's from Canada with a oh, Boston accent. It's Mike yeah, Malott. <laughs> Mike Malott. Malott. Uh, another he uh he made kind of a splash in his debut. I don't remember the guy he beat. Lanes. But I just remember he had a nice comeback in that fight, and it was very entertaining. Another rookie that trades pretty well on the card trade as well. He's <laughs> been one that's picking up pretty, pretty much. Uh, come on, fifty k eBay, eBay, fifty k eBay. <laughs> yeah, let's that's go like 50K the eBay. That's your dream. <laughs> yeah, fifty k eBay, fifty k eBay is my nickname. Uh, but no, Dan Ige's fight is fighting Nate Landwehr. I'm surprised. I'm surprised at the odds because obviously the train, um, uh, Mr. Landwehr, he's a uh, he's going to be a tough, and they're going to go head to head. Yeah, they are. That's, took, that's how Ige fights. You took Landwehr. I took him. Nate the train. He's he's finishing people. He's has some momentum, and yeah, uh, Ige hasn't been that impressive of late. There you go. Same. That's my, I'm taking him as an under as an underdog with those kind of odds. I I don't him and Aldana like I I don't see why not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I like your style because I think easily easily Nate could finish this fight. Now, do I think the fight gets finished either way? Yes, but I think it can, I I definitely think it can go either way just based on their on their styles. Yeah. Uh, speaking of 
the middleweight bout right before it, in my mind, is the same thing. Because Marc-Andre Berrielt and Eric Anders are both violent as fuck. Um, <laughs> the thing about this fight that I like uh, is Marc-Andre Berrielt is a little bit more patient than Eric Anders. Uh, Eric Anders had an injury. Uh, I I don't remember if it was between the last fight or if it was before the last fight. So I'm, I'm not going to dive into that. Uh, and I really don't have a pick on this one. I like Eric Anders a lot, <laughs> but especially anybody who beats a Dacus, um, because I just, geez, I just hate those guys so much yeah. for absolutely no reason. <laughs> when it, yeah. I mean, they're the, the older one was a, a fucking cop, you know, in Philadelphia. Um, oh, no wonder I hate him. I fucking hate cops. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> when it's close. <laughs> always go with uh always go with the uh the hometown people so you got to go with the canadian right yeah coming out singing oh canada um, that's how i feel about them a lot i was i was watching a little some on him earlier and i don't know if you guys know about the milk boys but apparently the milk boys are like sponsoring him and he has a lot of support in canada so i was like huh fuck he's he's motivated i was like he he's like when i win we're gonna have the biggest party of my life and i'm like ah uh, he's got he he knows he already knows it <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, you gotta. That that is a factor. Now, it doesn't necessarily play into a lot of the things that we see when we're making these p- projections, but right. he's gonna get a boost from the crowd for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this uh, is the fight of the night. Dude, this, this one? is gonna be a great fight. Nasserdine yeah. Imavov and Chris Action Man Curtis. Yeah, if if Nasserdine's smart, <clears throat> he'll try and take Chris Curtis down, but. Even though he has a background in wrestling, like he's French, but he's originally from Russia. Um, it's it, it's going to be a stand-up banger. And I, I think we were talking about judges earlier, right? So this happens in boxing too, but the judges don't really appreciate body work, specifically from the hands. And one of the things that Chris Curtis does the best <laughs> is throw a left hook to the fucking liver. Yeah. Um, he just doesn't get the credit for it. He does such great body work. Um, and I would just hate for him to get robbed, which I I felt he did in his I last thought he'd fight. Be Gaslam. I agree. I I, I thought he'd be Gaslam. I have Curtis in this fight. I I, I think he'd be Gaslam too. It, it's a it was a good fight. Like we like Gaslam here. We we love him for what he did against Izzy. It was a great all-timer fight. Uh, I just, you know, my personal opinion. I didn't I realize he won that. I didn't realize Chris Curtis had beat uh, Adolfo Vieira as well, uh, who Fluffy oh, beat. Yeah, shit. Yeah. Uh, oh, and Brandon Allen, Philip Hot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Curtis. He went on. A, we... He went on a bit of a run, right? And then the the Jack Hermanson one. Jack Hermanson like basically shut him down. He took that on short time. notice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. He did take and, that on short notice. And that's Jack Hermanson, like when Jack Hermanson was Jack Hermanson. And well, people were calling that, him the like, hammer still. <laughs> he, he made it a boring fight by just playing to his strengths. And I remember that the crowd was booing at the end of that fight. And, and Chris was obviously very upset at the end of that as well because he just really wasn't engaging. But again, mm-hmm. you're a professional you have to be able to adapt in the middle of a fight and change your strategy as well. Yeah. And, you know, that's part Curtis, of the reason probably why he didn't get into the UFC until 
he was in his early early to mid thirties. I think Chris Curtis and Sean Strickland are two of the most fun middleweights. These guys are gamers, short notice fights, they'll fight anyone, they don't give a shit. Like we might as well put Hamza Chimaev against one of those two. <laughs> you know what's funny about that is that they train together. Yeah, 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 yeah. and the pod they have a podcast together now too. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, Chris Curtis is 100% takedown defense. So I think that's going to play a huge factor. I think he gets it. I have him as underdog as well in this one. Imabov's coming off against a loss against Strickland. Strickland, I'm sure, has plenty of pointers for Curtis. Curtis and I yep. think, if I'm not mistaken, I think Sean Strickland took that on short notice or Imabov, one of them. I just remember yeah. it, a lot of time between uh, with the opponent. I think that yeah. was Sean Strickland. It was. He, he, took, he was coming off a loss. Yeah. And then he took, that, he took right. that fight. Correct. Yep. And yeah. still got the decision. So I think Curtis and Strickland are just about even in my mind. Except, I I don't know, man. They Yeah, they both have great takedown defense. I think Curtis hits a little harder. Um, I'm taking Curtis in this one. Nice. I, I like it. I like it. This uh, This, the fight before that, I think might be a Canadian loss. I think so too. For the people of Canada. I love Miranda Maverick. She has uh, the worst nickname in the fight game. What is her nickname? Fear the Miranda <laughs> fear the Maverick. That's it's okay. absolutely horrible. <laughs> yeah. No, thanks. Um, she's, she's getting her uh, doctorate, I believe. Yeah. So she's fighting and, and getting her doctorate simultaneously. Yeah, if she's not Doctor Maverick already, jeez. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm I'm excited about Iman Sahabi, um, uh, who is uh his is brother Faraz? is Faraz Sahabi's brother. Wow. Um, and uh, and Faraz worked with GSP up at uh, TriStar for the last like 15 years, right? Um, and and Zahabi was uh, was. This is like the younger brother who really, really wants to be as good as the rest of everybody in his family. Um, and he really needed that knockout that he got in his last fight because before that it was a lot of injuries and breaks and and, and stuff like that. Uh, tactician, man. I, I, this And uh, Oracle Lang, who I know I'm saying that wrong. Man, uh, great pronunciation. You just I, nailed it. I did. Did I? I don't. I I have. I legitimately have no idea. <laughs> I think they combined his name. I think it's. I'm looking up. It's Keylong, Aori or something. Okay. Like. Okay. Yeah. So they like combined it all. I okay. Huh. It's almost like what? Uh, like how Sumerdaji? Sumerdaji? Yeah. He just goes by the one name. They just put it all together. Yes. So like this fight. To me, this is two tacticians. To me, this is the. This is the fight IQ fighters fight, like the fans fight, because these guys are going to set things up, deploy, uh, and it will be very mind centric. Uh, that could make it boring to a lot of people, because uh, I do think these guys will dance around each other a lot. They're going to. I mean, let, let's be honest, like. We're, these these are the prelims. They're not even the early prelims. We're 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 scraping the bottom of the barrel here, <laughs> and this is <laughs> a number. Decision card. is a safe bet for that one. Yes, uh, Diana is on the list. 
Uh, Romanian. Yeah. 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 Oh, we'll go out on Saturday. Diana. Diana <laughs> Belbita. Come princess? on the podcast. Damn. You're... Okay. So she's taking her nickname from Xena. Like it. I like it. She has a, that looks like a Simba tattoo on her right forearm. Go back to that. Look at that tattoo, right forearm that looks like Simba. I oh, think it looks eye. like, oh, geez. <laughs> I think it looks like Tigger. Scar. It's definitely not Tigger. Um, oh, you're right. That is Simba. That is adult Simba. <laughs> that It's like that Simba like with six, uh, nine hair. green hair. Yeah, yeah. Some Takashi <laughs> yeah, ta- 6'9 hair. Takashi 6'9. This is Raver Simba. It's Simba 6'9. Maybe our two sure. inspirations combined. Dude, we just named the episode. Simba 6'9? <laughs> Simba 6'9. And I'm going to totally Photoshop like somebody. Oh, who should I Photoshop to look like? Takashi for tomorrow's Instagram post for this episode. Definitely Dom. <laughs> Dom? You think I should do our co-host Dom? Uh, Definitely Dom so with uh, some Takashi braids. Okay. I mean, he's got the perfect template for it because he's he's got a shaved head. So that, You're right. that, that works. <laughs> yeah. And he's already all sleeved up. So like I yeah, won't have to do good. anything on the he's tattoos. Good. You put some you could put some face tattoos on him too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. Okay. I have to, hold on. I have to write it down. <laughs> uh nice i was telling this is well, i'll leave this in the show even i was telling uh ryan and them last week uh i mean something i love about our show is that it's 70 for five percent male and 25 percent female which is and i'm so happy about that because like that's not like a regular level for these podcasts it's usually a lot more male yeah. uh but I think because we're also bitchy husbands who who don't bitch about our relationships and wives because we're all happily married, we we bitch about daily bullshit life, you know, work and jobs, and we all have full time and careers and and family and bills and getting old and stuff. Um, and we talk about like going to Disneyland, <laughs> like with the kids and like. And then, of course, the weekends in Vegas where we we bet on our fights. Um, <laughs> so I think that Simba Six Nine is like at a perfect level of title for this episode. You know, that would be a great question for someone to ask her. The inspiration behind that tattoo, I'd I'd love to. Mm-hmm. Someone could ask her, you know, pre-fight or in press conference type of deal. <laughs> uh, that was a great eye to catch that. I didn't even. Can barely see that <laughs> we need a an episode we're we're in a, a rock and a hard place right now as the pretty neat podcast because there are now four months of fights every saturday which Saw is awesome yeah but it also means we don't have down weeks where we can do bullshit stuff like make a ranking of mma tattoos <laughs> and, and but we still will. I want to bring back the super duper handicapper, actually. Damn. Which was a game, I mean, we played very early in the show where, per se, I mean, we're going to put you in the octagon against John Jones for one round. <laughs> uh, but he's on roller skates. How long would you last? Uh, or could you uh... beat him? <laughs> I cannot beat him. I would. My goal would be to last longer than Cyril gone. Ooh. Okay. No, that, that was what? That was like three minutes, though, right? 
Do you think on roller skates you could last the entire round? No. No? I I couldn't. He'd how's get, he get how does he get you? Uh we, do we learn that John Jones me, is a, and then he <laughs> he he holds me down. We we learned that John Jones is an amazing roller skater and he just corners <laughs> you, he cuts off the octagon and takes you down he, and submits you. He allowed to kick with the roller skate, so that's the fourth question. Ooh, uh, yeah, yeah, yes, that yes. might be an advantage. Yeah. That that's true. We we did one that was like really fun that was like I forget who it was, but it was like Cyril gone or something. If if he was in a straight jacket, that was. <laughs> I, I my goal would be a minute thirty. A minute I, thirty, if I, okay. If I can go a minute thirty with John Jones. Uh, I'd take that as a moral victory. <laughs> I do a lot of dancing and running, and uh, I would try and maybe throw a leg kick or something to trip him. <sighs> Playing with fire there. Yeah, yeah. That'd be so yeah. scary. I'd I'd go in for like a. I'd like dive at his legs and he would just get me with one hammer fist on like the back of the thigh and I would die. <laughs> like, You're going to Aaron taps to strikes. Dude, he would hit me in the meatiest, least <laughs> sensitive part of my body and I would tap. <laughs> Tapping to strikes. Every um, dude straight up. I would. <laughs> I mean, you could, you could try a pull a Matt Hamill. Right. And try and get a win by DQ. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true yeah john i'm just gonna stay right down here directly below you throw that yep. 12 6 no 12 problem to six. 12 <laughs> to 6 please yeah i'm gonna walk around on three points the whole fight it'll be the most uh, it'll look like a ryan hall fight except huh. except way no, less no minari rolls no minari rolls um Gentlemen, this was a really, really fun episode. I thoroughly enjoyed recording with both of you. Um, thank you, Amin, for spending some extra time. I know we went a little bit over on our schedule, and you are a very busy schedule, uh, very busy man. I'm sure you are missing an important call right now. Um, but uh, appreciate yeah. you guys. It's been fun. Yeah, yeah. This, is, uh, this has been great. Thank you for uh, spending the time with us. Yeah, we will certainly have you on again, either as another guest spot uh, like this for a full episode. We'd also love to just have you on to make picks at some point. Like if we just have one of those nights come on for half an hour just for the the PNP picks. Um, and of course, if anything's going on with the, with the Elite Donut, which everyone should go to EliteDonut.com and check out the Elite Donut. Uh Maple, I am told, is to die for, and <laughs> I will be doing a full review on this show at some point. Um, so anything going on with that? Is there anything going on with that you want to put it out here? Well, um, well, la last uh Friday, so almost a week ago now, was National Donut Day, so that's always fun. I think, don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure we're the only food that gets two uh, holidays a year. There's actually two National Donut Days because <laughs> one, one's just not enough for us. So uh, th those are always fun because those are big days for us. And, um, you know, who doesn't like to celebrate eating donuts? Donuts are definitely coming your way. Ryan, I'll need to get you a package as well. And we'll get Dom one as well, too. We'll, we'll get the whole yeah. squad some donuts. Um, love the idea about a review. I think, uh, you know. I think that'd be great. But yeah, just check us out uh, at EliteDonut.com, like you said, on Amazon. We're the number one selling donut, so check us out there as well. And um, yeah, if you're going to eat a donut, you might as well eat one that's better for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and with that, we'll sign off with donuts. 
2024. Violence really does bring people together.